The Connected Hospital is a podcast that covers current topical news and trends about health IT, new technologies in the industry, and the challenges faced in today's fast-paced hospital and healthcare environment. This podcast is targeted for health IT leaders inside and outside of the hospital. Now for our host, John Mason, and today's episode. Really glad you're back with us today. We've got an exciting interview. Uh, today, we're going to be talking to Ron Fuscillo, the vice president and CIO of Renown Health based in Reno, Nevada. Renown Health has some really exciting things going on um, in Reno and, and the surrounding area and uh, are very forward thinking as an organization. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation today with Ron. Um, Ron is a uh, has been a CEO for quite a while, but he has some great insight into how we deal with uh, the alignment between the business and IT, and really how do you get ideas and vision out into the organization. And I think you'll find the conversation with Ron uh, to be a good one and well worth your time. So uh, looking forward to the interview. For most consumers, the search for a healthcare provider is a frustrating maze of bewildering choices and unanswered questions. And they really want to hear what other patients have to say in order to make a decision with confidence. With Loyal's Empower Solution, you have the tools to do just that. Empower your patients, the patient, and provide a solution. Maximizing star ratings while introducing deeper insights into what patients really are saying about their experience. You could sort, approve, and publish patient reviews of physicians, services, and even practices using some of the intelligent features like auto-approval and syntax highlighting. To learn more, visit them online at loyalhealth.com. So Ron, thanks for being here. Oh, John, good, good to be here and thank you. And looking forward to uh, the dialogue. Well, let's start out. Why don't you uh, tell folks a little bit about yourself, maybe, you know, how long have you been in the industry? You know, where'd you get your start? That type of thing. Sure, sure. So um, been in the industry about 30 plus years. And uh, it's a little unique because I came from different uh, sectors, manufacturing, uh, health insurance on the payer side, uh, and learned a lot of discipline on how IT organizations should really run. And also, I mean, one of the organizations was Pratt Whitney. And they've, they just invested a lot of money and time and energy you have an effective and efficient IT organization, and also saw early on the value of data. And when I made that transition over to uh, healthcare, uh, it was a real eye-opener of how how many years behind, if you would, and I know we hear this a lot in healthcare industry, mm-hmm. uh, the technology was. And uh, the experience, and I think having early in my career uh, witnessed and actually saw the outcome of having all these pieces come together, uh, true application development lifecycle, uh, data management, uh, the predictive analytics that is so common outside of healthcare, but even up to about 10 years, five years ago, somewhat new in healthcare, I think really laid the foundation to be a little more successful because it was a better story to tell. And I think I also saw and understood how um, or what path you need to follow, I should say, to uh, to achieve that. So interesting. You came from, you know, kind of outside healthcare at first. What um, I always like to ask this question, why do you think healthcare is behind the times. What do you, what do you think? Oh, that, that is that is a, a great question. I, I I think all of us will recognize the spend. Uh, it's, it's extremely low. Uh, if you look at mm-hmm. any benchmark, I think it is the lowest industry in terms of total spend on on IT. And then historically, if you roll back, IT was an integrator in healthcare, uh, and that was very different coming out of a private sector uh, health net, very large healthcare organization on the East Coast. IT was really the the catalyst for their success. They 
they spent time and energy working with their IT organization to build a vision uh, and funded it and saw it as the, as the core to their business. I don't think that was ever true in healthcare. And I've seen that even in leaders. Yeah, and the leaders that uh, were running IT in some cases, and there's, it, it, it's not that this is wrong, but the skill set perhaps was missing. Clinicians, in, in most cases, moved into IT as it was maturing. Uh, and I think that also held uh, the healthcare industry back a little bit from technology. Uh, that that that's something that would never happen in a, in a different industry. Even Fortune 500 right. companies, right? You typically have that CS degree. Um, so that was another factor. I think that went into it. And now that we are embracing the ERP mentality, I think again, roughly in the last seven years, five years, that has been a, just a tremendous shift. And I think we're all realizing that as an industry, it's not new. We could look outside of our four walls and learn from some of those greats, whether it be finance, healthcare, manufacturing, some other. Well, that's a good point. You know, I I guess healthcare has always seen the product as the people, right? And in a lot of other industries, the product relies on the technology to deliver the product. And in this case, probably that resistance, like you say, just a a lack of uh, realization for the need of how it how it actually helps deliver. It's interesting. Yes. Um, And I think too, if I might add on that, I think also the way in which it's delivered, the service itself has a lot of methodologies and discipline, whether it's agile, uh, appropriate way to handle data management, uh, security, for instance, always front and center in other industries. Those pieces, those core uh, components kind of took our eye off the ball. It wasn't necessarily how should this IT organization run efficiently and effectively, uh, it was more, like you said, how do we deliver the care? And I think it's somewhere along the way that, that that piece was missed. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I often ask people too, uh, I think part of my thought has always been that it's also because we're a very risk averse industry, right? Um, because when we make mistakes, it's it's big. Um, and that, that in some ways probably holds us back too. But uh, I think you got a good point there. Um so you're the CIO of a of a very forward thinking organization. I know some about Renown and some of the things you all are doing. But um, what are some of the what's some of the big things you're trying to tackle right now as CIO? <laughs> oh, there's so many things. As as all my fellow CIOs who are listening, drinking a cup of coffee right now on the drive in, uh, really security is number one for us. And I think for me personally, we're all trying to solve this riddle. It's how do you show the value of that investment? Because uh, it's, 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 it's sort of trying to be proactive, um, but we want to do things that also add value. You know, badge, tap and go. There are some really wonderful technologies surrounding security that can make a clinician's day uh, more productive and easier. So just working on tying those two together. Also, culture. Yeah, culture for us. It's been, uh, been an interesting career. I've never had a challenge with a culture of an organization up until uh, my stop here at Renown. And that was the IT organization, just needing to change, embrace innovation, uh, you know, be more collaborative in the way in which we del- deliver solutions, customer focused. All these key components weren't really baked into our DNA as, as a department. Mm. So culture now, we're coming up on almost two years of a very focused and um, deliberate attempt at making that environment that these people want to be a part of, but also one where we can feel pretty comfortable and confident that not only are we meeting our customers' needs, but we're exceeding it from a delivery standpoint, as well as a support standpoint, which in the end, of course, saved us some money. Uh, and then, like you had mentioned, we we do have a very aggressive uh, CEO, Dr. Slolom, who is very forward thinking and is signing up on a lot of the predictive analytics, prescriptive medicine, genomics. Mm-hmm. And we have quite a bit going on in our state and perhaps I could talk about it later, but there's a lot of technology and then bringing all that just incredible and wealthy data 
back into the point of care for our clinicians to actually utilize that data, provide better care to our community. Well, what, what, how great that is. You've got a CEO who's actually embracing it though, you know, because now that uh, doesn't make your job any easier, but certainly at least now, you know, you have a champion, right? Correct. And and it's funny. It's like, careful what you wish for. No, but it, yeah, in all right, honesty, right. <laughs> he is, he, he's been great, but it does push the envelope a little bit. And depending upon how much technical debt you have and what you need to overcome in that runway, uh, it can always be for a challenging day. Right. Well, that's great. I mean, that's, um, that's the kind of stuff that I think most CIOs hope they're working on, right? Is, is some of the newer things and bringing, bringing some value to the health system beyond just the day-to-day back office type work. So, so that's great. Um, so I don't really know the competition in the Reno area, but uh, what do you think makes you all stand out? What, what's different about what you're doing? You know, from, from a healthcare delivery or on the technology and IT side? I think, well, I guess maybe both, but you know, they, they blend <laughs> so much now, but, but, um, what about healthcare delivery? What are you seeing? Yeah. So we, you know, we were, we are, uh, very unique in our market. We own about 70% of the market share. Oh, great. Uh, somewhat isolated due to an incredible mountain range that it's absolutely beautiful, but surrounds us, which, uh, you know, I, I think renowned capitalized on that. I don't think they took advantage of it. I don't think we took our eye off the ball, despite really owning the market, um, we continue to innovate and do things, as I mentioned earlier, with Dr. Slolom. Uh, and, and really, we, we want to provide the best care we can. Having a dominant presence in the market pretty much ensures that a large percentage of the population, friends, family, community, will pass through our doors. Uh, and we've mm-hmm. been c- accumulating this data over the years. So not only do we have a great a story to tell about an individual, but their parents. And when you take all that information and then you have a, a CEO who's forward thinking with genomics and all that amazing work, you bring that those two pieces of information together uh, and we can really make a story that goes beyond what most patients would receive in a health organization. I think that is really where the magic happens. And then creating a, a technology platform to make it easy for us, one, to communicate it out to our patients and the patients also to consume it, and then bring it back into the care setting so that the clinician can also reference it, will increase, and we're pretty confident we'll make for better outcomes. Now that's that's really that's really kind of an interesting uh, thought there. That you, I don't want to say a captured market, but, but because you do have such a broad expanse of the market and you're seeing multi-generations come through, um, you really are getting a, a, an interesting picture of the community, which is, uh, which is pretty fascinating. Yes. And I think it's just, it, it, it's awesome that Renown as an organization realizes that and sees the value and has been pushing the envelope uh, because we've created a really unique, um, I, I think, environment where this could be more successful than in, in an, or in a, let's say, in a care setting where you have 15 hospitals within 15 minutes. <laughs> Patients come in and out of those organizations and you lose some of that important information along the way. Of course, I don't know the Reno market. I, I, I have, by the way, been by your campus, beautiful building. Um, but I, I think your distance also plays into that, right? You, you're several hours from Las Vegas. Um, so from a population center perspective, your, your, your catchment area is pretty large, I would guess. It is. It's about 500,000 in the immediate surrounding, but we have one of the largest areas in terms of geographic to cover for that distance. Right. And it's about another 500,000 for that. And we're the only trauma center to take care of. 
of, of all those patients. So you could travel almost three hours in, in a car to uh, a, an area that we're responsible for, we're providing care to. That's, yeah, that's interesting. I, I was, when I was a CIO in Texas, same way, I was, uh, you know, in Austin and it was the same thing. It was hours drive you could be for the catchment. So, <laughs> right, which, which brings some technology challenges too. That's right. It does, especially when you're trying to get the technology out into those rural areas, right? <laughs> Correct. Hey, everybody, this is Reed Smith. And this is Chris Boyer. And we are co-hosts on a show called Touchpoint, which is a podcast that's dedicated to the discussions on digital marketing and online patient engagement strategies, not only for just hospitals, but health systems and physician practices. In every episode, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on digital tools, solutions, strategies, and other things that are impacting the healthcare industry today. And while you listen to this show, we would certainly love you to check out ours. All you have to do is swing on over to touchpoint.health for more information, and also some of the other shows that are featured on the Touchpoint Media Network. Well, let's um, let's talk a little bit about just kind of you as a CIO and your approach to the role. Um so, you know, we all know that the CIO role kind of it, you have to balance that time between strategy and, and the day to day, keep the lights on type of work. Um, how do you, how do you balance that? And where do you, where do you see yourself spending more time? It's a, it's a constant challenge and, and you do get tugged all around. And then there's just other things that are happening and conversations that absolutely fall into those two buckets. But one of the, I, for, for me personally, the success that I've seen in either deflecting or, or being a great shield to not only for us as an IT organization, but as an organization as a whole, has been just adopting, you know, don't reinvent the wheel, but just accepting and embracing very sophisticated project management office um, that, mm-hmm. you know, keep, keeps the large stones, the strategy initiatives front and center. And then whatever's left in that jar from water and sand, um, you know, we, we don't necessarily need to lose focus. And if you embrace a more sophisticated model, the numbers and the data that we can share from a run versus grow, that is the things we need to do to keep the lights on versus where we can really add value on the projects, becomes very easy. And it's really a pie diagram with a few slices and how much of a percentage would you like us to spend in either? And there's ways we can increase that with dollars or we can reduce. Um, and, and then to tell that story almost near real time is so critical. And I can safely say, or it's, it's unfortunate, but that's challenging for some organizations. There's a piece I think we need to all embrace. Uh, again, coming from different industries years, years, years back, this was something they did very well. And for whatever the reason is, we haven't right. quite um, embraced that in most healthcare systems. There are some that are doing it just extremely well. Uh, and there are some that think of project management office as a group of people who are kind of just tracking the day to day. And that is not the case. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's good. So PMO is really, um, that's really been a strategic driver for you, which is great because selling that idea in an organization oftentimes is seen, that they just see that as overhead, it feels it, like. It is so true. But yet, um, I can assure you that we've focused on the right things consistently, consistently year after year. Uh, and showing that value becomes very easy. You have to get the investment up front. But I think the uh, the metrics that you can then share, whether if you're Agile, Scrum, whatever you might use to track velocity, uh, there's always a correlation mm-hmm. that's positive if you have a very well-run PMO. That's great. So, you know, we often hear about this this idea of better alignment, you know, that CIOs and IT organizations have to be better aligned with the business. Um, it sounds like the PMO is one piece of that, but 
what have you done to to accomplish that? What do you feel like you've done? Yeah, you know, it, it's um, we we in IT have a lot of tools. I think we can help accomplish many of the strategic goals, vision of the organization. But sometimes, you know, I've been in this conversation a lot. Uh, it also can be flipped. Right? Is the organization embracing IT as a tool to accomplish their needs? Uh, it, right. Sometimes we're asking IT, are you embracing the business, partnering with the business? But that really goes both ways. Mm-hmm. We we do have a unique view of the organization. Every day, hundreds of our team members are out talking with customers, understanding their needs, bringing that all back. Uh, and I think from an organizational structure, we do see the forest. And if a leadership team wants to embrace that, I think there's some good intelligence and some good information that can flow uh, and help us avoid the bumps and also give you a very good perspective on where some of that low-hanging fruit might be lying. Uh, and and that, that, that's, that's really where I've seen some organizations um, reap a little bit more out of the IT organization as an asset uh, and use that to, again, accomplish a lot of the strategic goals. That's a great point. So having having your own workforce, having the IT workforce is really the eyes and ears within the organization. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Well, so with that, then, as you deal with the business, you'll obviously have your own vision of where things are going. Um, how do you how do you sell your vision or what what do you use to I guess I'm putting air quotes around market uh the vision that you have for technology in the organization. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of coffee. Um, it's really <laughs> making sure that you get to sit down with some of the key players in the organization, ask a lot of questions, a lot of listening. Uh, you, you, I think too many times we sort of get in this power struggle and we insist or push or try to steer. And I don't know if that's a appropriate role for CIO. I think it's really understanding, knowing what's needed, my, my proficiency and, and expertise comes in working with my team to realize what it would actually take to make that vision a reality. Um, there's always some of the things we need to help the organization realize they have to accomplish. But really, I think it, it's, right. yeah, it, it is um, recognizing that most of what we're, we would accomplish in the course of a week, a day, uh, is an idea or a problem that an organ- a customer of ours had. And it's our job to appreciate that and then, again, lay that foundation whether that be existing tools, embracing some new t- concept, new technology, um, and then in the questioning and in the uh, engagement that I think needs to happen regularly uh, is where you can start introducing concept and you know this thing called the cloud. I, I don't think knowing what the cloud technology is at a conceptual level is just an IT thing. I think that should be felt across the organization. And right. It's our job to get a, everyone to understand that. And those are earlier conversations before some of these become common. Uh, you just slowly embed it, and it's not nonstop and it's consistent. We have a, you know, little a tracking board, if you would, of technologies, and we kind of circle a few, and that's the theme my leadership team and I try to embrace uh, and make sure we share as we're out on the, uh, you know, I guess out on the road doing the road show uh, and yeah. introduce the technology. Right, doing a road show. Okay, so yeah, that's good. So uh, I, I like what you just said there, which what I heard you say is there isn't a a single thing that you do to sell a vision and you certainly, it sounds like you don't try to push a vision. It's almost as if you um, casually introduce the vision through a lot of conversation. Yes. Yes. Cause I, again, the vision, you know, there's vision, there's strategy, there are all these terminologies. It's important for an organization to agree on what they mean <laughs> when we say vision strategy. Right. Exactly. Um, but I found more success in the partnership uh, and in truly, you know, we can't take our eyes off of IT. We need to understand the operations there. We need to have that humming 
hopefully performing at its at its best. But we, at the same time, need to truly appreciate and understand what the business is trying to accomplish. I always say, you know, the simple SWOT analysis of your organization should be in the CIO's head all the time. What are our strengths, our weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Because during the dialogue, those are the things that I'm listening for. Uh, and then doing that interpretation of where can we ro- lay that roadmap for technology to deliver on. Could build some great things. We right. can have some cutting edge technologies coming out of our department. But if no one wants to embrace it or if it doesn't necessarily fit, I think there's where many organizations have spent and also wasted a lot of time and energy. I'm guessing you'd agree, but that's probably also kind of the downfall of, of some CIOs is they embrace the technology so heavily um, and they sometimes can't understand why people can't embrace it as quickly as they do. And, and I think you're doing it the right way, which is you do it over time um, and you bring people along. Agreed. And it's the don't, uh, you know, I've, I've said this multiple times at department meetings as well. Let's not try to do a technology because we want to. Let's make sure we're doing it because we need to. And those are two very different approaches, right? And if you drill into that a little bit, the want becomes very evident. It's not necessarily going to be as beneficial uh, as some of the needs. And then, uh, as you were saying, it's, it's understanding that implication change management is, of course, extremely important. Um, but I think you're closer to it when you know your business really needs this and wants it. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, we, we can get, we as IT folks can sometimes get caught up in the, the sexiness of a new technology or the, the potential promise that it brings, but then we don't know the practical applications. So it's a good point. I like the way you put that. And, and you know, to kind of build on it, the adoption is so critical um, and, and the measurement of that. So if we do choose and we have selected and we're moving down and we've implemented whatever it might be, uh, to monitor that and have regular dialogue six, seven, even eight months after the technology was implemented uh, helps an organization learn, learn our limitations, mm-hmm. learn what we can and can't do. Uh, and that adoption piece sometimes overlooked as well. High five, right? We hit the goal live date. Uh, but there's so much more to be said about was it fully utilized? Is it still being utilized? Right? Right. Are we reaping the benefits? Did, and that's where we do. Did we get the ROI well, out of it? Well, yes, that that one uh, that one's an easier one. But yes. <laughs> uh, and I think there's where we do spend a lot of time as an organization uh, having dialogue to, again, set up for the next uh, whatever the hurdle is we're trying to overcome, whatever technology we need to implement to pull from those successes and also those failures. Uh, but again, around the adoption, because the adoption is really the individual using our customer. And it's it, at, to your point earlier, what did we assume it was a simple thing? <laughs> hey, it's just a change. But right. just a different click and a different uh, portion of the screen could cause just mayhem if it's not communicated well or, or embraced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a fact. It can it can create mayhem, as you said. It's the what seems so simple sometimes isn't. That's correct. Um. Well, hey, I know we've been we've been going for a while here. I I do want to ask you though. I think one of the things folks would be interested in hearing from you is kind of uh, where you see healthcare IT going in the next say ten years or so. Um, what in what in particular right now do you feel like are some of the technologies that you feel like are going to kind of change the landscape of healthcare? Anything yeah. that anything that you're seeing? Yes, I rising? I always caution with IT technology in general and going past three years, but I will I will try my best here. Yeah. I, I um, you know it's kind of interesting. We just came back from Disneyland with the family over the weekend, and we we, we do have a long way to go with just the customer focus, uh, and we hear so much about it, um, but we're slow to adopt it, and I think that customer right. experience really needs to improve. Uh, and I'm not sure what the magic you know, bullet might be, but there's definitely room for improvement. 
Also, um, we've been looking at a lot of different technologies. Uh, our CTO spends time just researching. And I think AI and machine learning and some other like natural language processing, those technologies at some point, once they're embraced fully in an EMR and can really take this information and bring it to another level, we, we will see some major changes. Uh, whatever that looks like, it's hard to say. Will there be certain uh, specialties that would, will benefit from it? Will there be more of a self-help environment where I could provide information and something's going to come back with <laughs> telling me what might be wrong with me? Right. I don't know. Uh, chatbots, another one we, we've been uh, paying close attention to the capabilities of just having a patient call and provide information and literally talk to a chatbot. Uh, and whether that call gets routed, which would be great, but to really do, um, you know, perhaps some care or some basic treatment or triaging is really uh, would be a magic. And, and we're working with some companies on that. And, and there's some hope for that. Uh, and that will help reduce costs, but also create a better environment for patients. Right. And lastly, right. I think for us, augment, augmented reality as well as, I, I guess, more AR. I'd stay in the augmented reality. I think seeing that technology play out in the OR and some of the other areas to provide real information, real time, right in front of the clinician while he or she is providing uh, this drug service of care. Uh, I, I, I see that being extremely beneficial over the next probably three years. Hmm, that's fascinating. So, you know, I can see some of the things you mentioned start making healthcare providers nervous because they feel like they're going to get replaced. But uh, in, the, in the same light, some of it is an enhancement, right? It, it's a uh, it's an add-on to their capabilities and their limited time. So hopefully they see it as a benefit and not just as a, as a threat. It's good stuff. Yes. And perhaps the ability to have a second opinion, right? That's never a bad thing. Uh, I've seen a few presentations where uh, a lot of the clinicians just to have something in an automated fashion, second guess their work or um, provide them a higher volume of patients that they can see in a person. Treat the patients that have a higher acuity, um, spend time with them, and let the lower one be handled by the machine learning or the AI. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I, I uh, recently met with a company that's they're not using AI to do it, but they're they're definitely trying to help hospital systems reduce um, the work that even nurses do that's below their license. You know, and mm -hmm. uh, it's a really fascinating concept of starting to starting to let people work where they need to be working and where they're skilled to work and take some of that very basic stuff off their plate. So that's great. great. Yeah. I think, I think too, as AI gets embedded more into our EMRs and it's coming, uh, we'll see some incredible opportunities for improvements all around, whether it be data proactiveness, data to the patient real time as it mines through data um, on a regular basis and just updates patients. It's really incredible. Some of the uh, information I'm, I'm, I'm having access to as well as seeing the publications. That's great. Well, good. Um, so how do, how do people, obviously you have a CTO that's helping you in some ways. How do, how do some of these folks, how do they stay in front of this? How, how are you keeping up to speed? Yeah, it's another very, um, I think, critical point within the IT organization that we just need to do really well because of the minimal resources. We talked about that earlier. Um, we want to make sure if we do go down a path or invest, uh, it's the right decision. And our CTO, along with the architects under him, spend a good deal of time just writing white papers uh, and then going through the exercise of writing the, writing the white paper, say right. that five times fast, uh, is the knowledge and the industry expertise kind of get embedded in that. That information is then shared. 
So as an organization, we'll pick a technology. We have about 15 technologies right now lined up over the next roughly 16 months. Each month, one of those technologies is chosen. Uh, the information is gathered. And then by the end of the month or into the following month, uh, the white paper is then shared and discussed. And the probability of it impacting or helping uh, renown is, is, is made as a decision. Uh, we've said no to blockchain for a lot of great reasons. But right mm-hmm. now, we're actually looking at the natural language uh, as a means for us to gain some some real you know, positive ground. So that one now is, has a higher probability. We have a couple others we're going to look at over the next couple of months. Uh, and that's how we would then commit and start investing. And it is hard. Oh, yeah. And so these white papers, though, that's a great idea. Um, are they're being shared with all the executives in the organization then? Uh, it, at times. Uh, at times. We've had, uh, and yes, if asked, it's more for IT and the rest of them. We want to want to grow together. Right? It, yeah. It's a very complex animal. We have some nurses who help teach, but they still should and and and, and they do appreciate uh, what this technology b- might mean. And that's a challenge as well. You can't write this white paper as if another technical improvement which is always a challenge. And uh, we have it though on file. So I'll, I'll just give you an example. Our uh, One of our chief medical officers had questioned us on a technology. And I said, we absolutely looked at it. Um, let me share with you. And I put forward in the white paper. And they're written in a manner that shows a lot of thought. Um, and and then the tie-in at the end is why or why not, why wouldn't it uh, impact renown in a positive way? And, and, and so our decision is kind of locked in. It, it's, it's great. I recommend it for everybody. That's a great idea. Yeah, that really hey, is all, a great idea. Yeah, yes. And everyone here listening is very different in the organizational sizes. Uh, but for an org our size, and I, I would say smaller, a very effective way to also bring credibility that you have the eye on the ball, you're paying attention to what's happening in the industry. And more importantly, you're tying it back to the real, you know, the, how realistic is it for our organization to embrace this? Because there's cost, there's, there's a, you know, adoptability, there's a whole bunch of challenges that we have to understand and appreciate. No, that's right. That's a great point. That's a, that's a, there's a great little add on to some things people can try. So I'll close out with this. And, and I, again, want to just appreciate your time, but, um, so uh, folks that are listening, you know, they're typically CIOs and other execs. Um, what advice do you have for them kind of to help align their strategy with the overall organizational strategy? What, what, what's the thing you would tell them is the most important thing they need to focus on? Probably a couple things. Um, one I mentioned before, uh, the CIO has to understand the organization's limitations. I, I mentioned SWAT in your head all the time. Uh, that, that requires always seeking, asking questions, and understanding. So now you have a good view of, of the organization as a whole. Um, the other thing is fully connect the dots on what constraints IT might have in that overall strategy and, and longer term conversation, high level. But it's really important that you can answer, be at the table with your CEO and others, uh, which requires you to be at the table, but to apply that real time appreciation, understanding of what something like that like that might take. Most of the time, you'll find business has a six-month solution, and that's that's a long time for them, where IT might still need 12 months prior to that. Our runway, no matter what we try to do and how nimble and agile we want to be, is always longer than I think the, the business envisioned. So keep keeping that current and, and having that data that I mentioned earlier with the PMO and your team and your capabilities. Um, and I think those things go together. Uh, and then understand what the terminology in your organization actually is. Uh, you could be talking two different languages, strategy, vision, and sometimes these things will get very much intertwined. Uh, keep that clean so that when we talk strategy, I think collectively we understand what we're saying versus a vision and versus some of the tactics that need to go into that. 
that, that those are experiences I've had that um, allowed for much, much better outcome and, and more success in terms of us all aligning and, and understanding that we're you know, heading in the same direction uh, and appreciating, of course, the expertise that we bring to the table. Right. And that alignment is so important, right? I mean, ultimately, if you're not aligned, um, you're going to be heading down a path doing something that ultimately doesn't solve anyone's problem. Um, or it actually adds problems and, and that's not what we want. I mean, we want to, we all want to solve business problems and make it better. Um, especially in the healthcare world. Well, that's great. Well, Ron, I, I just want to say thanks for, uh, taking some time out today and, and chatting with us. And, um, this has been really, this has been really great to kind of hear your vision of, uh, the CIO role and, and how you've, um, been able to kind of balance this, strategy versus the day-to-day operations and and where you see things going. It's been really enlightening and I sure appreciate your time. Well, likewise. And thank you. And I appreciate you having me on the show. So please enjoy your day. You bet. I hope we'll have you back. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. This show is made possible in part by the Social Health Institute. Through research and partnerships with healthcare organizations around the country, the Social Health Institute explores new and innovative ways for hospitals, healthcare organizations to develop and enhance their social media and digital marketing strategy. To learn more about the Social Health Institute, visit them online at socialhealthinstitute.com. That's socialhealthinstitute.com. I hope you'll continue to come back, rate the program, review it, uh, let folks know about it, and and uh, we'll bring you some great conversations. And if you have some things you want to hear in particular, let us know, and we'll be happy to, uh, to try to get those guests or get those particular topics on board. So thank you again for joining, and we'll get started. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.